Party people, welcome back to the True Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Novak. Just a quick story for you. My little boys who are six and eight, they are absolutely obsessed with Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. They ask for it at least a couple times a week. We don't eat it a couple times a week, but they ask for it. And it's funny because I've tried to find a healthier replacement for them. Obviously, you can make my own nuggets. We do that. Uh, we buy some random nuggets from the store. They hate them compared to Chick-fil-A. So they're just a little picky. And I tried the grilled nuggets from Chick-fil-A because they're a slightly healthier option. No bueno. They're just really not a fan. So recently, a company that I've been using for quite a while, I mean, we're talking years now, a company called ButcherBox reached out to me because I actually have the CEO as a client. He said, hey, we do chicken nuggets and we have a chicken nugget promotion. Would you Promote it on your show if your kids love it. And I said, absolutely. So Butcher Boxes, in case you don't know, they offer boxes of meat and seafood, high quality meat and seafood. And most of it's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught salmon, you know, the good stuff. And for someone like myself, busy dad who, you know, runs a tight ship, got baseball, soccer, football, basketball practice, and it's easy to pull through the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A and get your kids something quick, I prefer to have something more convenient at home. And I have used ButcherBox personally for a while. I love the New York strip that they have. It's one of my favorite pieces of meat. And I usually have that at least a few times a month. But recently, they have this new promotion for chicken nuggets for a year. So we've partnered up because my kids love the nuggets. I love the meat that comes from ButcherBox. And I wanted you to get a chance to test them out as well. So what you can do is go to butcherbox.com forward slash true. That's T-R-U-E. So butcherbox.com forward slash true. And you can use code true. And here's what you're going to get. You're going to get free chicken nuggets for a year. Free chicken nuggets for a year. My kids are going nuts. And 10% off on top of that, your first box when you sign up today. So you'll get a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free chicken nuggets in every single order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash true and use code true at checkout. So go check out the link butcherbox.com forward slash true. Make sure you use code true so you get the promotion free chicken nuggets for a year. By the way, low key nuggets are amazing. So I've been eating some of them too. Go check them out and enjoy. Today's podcast is with my friend and top fitness professional, Stan Efforting. If you guys don't know who Stan Efforting is, you're about to find out. I actually discovered Stan when I picked up a copy of a magazine called Muscular Development years and years ago when I was really into bodybuilding in my mid-20s. And I discovered this massive human being who also happened to be one of the strongest people walking the planet. And I was like, wow, this guy is something different because most bodybuilders, yeah, they lift heavy, but they're not power lifters. Well, he is. He's actually an IFBB professional bodybuilder. I mean, he has his official pro card, world record holder as well when it comes to power lifting. He's one of only 10 men in the world to ever total over 2,300 pounds raw in competition. That means you don't wear anything. You're just lifting weights. It's just you and the weights, deadlift, squat, and bench combined over 2,300 pounds. That's insanely strong. And uh, he holds the title currently as the world's strongest bodybuilder. Crazy part is he's actually brilliant as well. He studied exercise science 
at the University of Oregon. And he trains everyone from high schoolers, kids, collegiate athletes, professional athletes. And he's done it for over the past 25 years. In fact, one of his most recent success stories was none other than the current and new heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC, John Jones. We actually sat down and did this podcast the day before John Jones's fight, where he is now only one of a handful of people to ever hold a belt, a championship belt in two weight divisions. And he credits a lot of his ability to bulk up and get comfortable fighting at a heavier weight to Stan's training and nutrition. So you're going to want to follow along and listen to Stan's advice because this guy is not only great at fitness, but he's one of the most successful entrepreneurs walking the planet. I mean, this guy has turned many businesses into multi-million dollar companies, and I'm just very blessed to have him on the show today. I'm excited for you to listen and hear all about Stan Efforting and some of the amazing things he's done with the vertical diet and the vertical diet lifestyle that provides a roadmap for longevity and health. Sit back, relax. Enjoy today's episode with Mr. Stan Efferding. Yeah, so just to, to piggyback off the UFC chat, um, it's funny because I've been following your stuff for, man, I think I, the first time I came into any realization of who you were was Muscular Development Magazine. Oh, yeah. I think oh, you were on the cover a long time. 2009 or 2010. It's been a long time. Yeah, I was a massive, massive bodybuilding fan. I even did a couple of contests, but I, I saw you on the cover. And back then, um, obviously, MD, I think probably was the biggest bodybuilding magazine yeah. Um, yeah. out there. But what sucks is that with, you know, you get into like running a business on social and it becomes all about business <laughs> in a sense and you lose some of the like social aspects. So I'll, I'll be completely transparent. I followed your stuff forever. And then I, I hadn't really checked your Instagram in a bit, but in my, my studies over the past couple of weeks, once we booked the show, uh, I was like, Whoa, you actually work with John Jones, which is like <laughs> absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's been exciting. Uh, John called me up a couple of years ago. I spent almost nine months going back and forth, uh, living with him in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, in New Mexico. Uh, doing his diet and nutrition, and my business partner, uh, Matt Wiedemer from Beat Training out of Cincinnati, who was a, a professional NFL uh, strength conditioning coach, he uh, he and I would alternate weeks because we both got kids, and so I would go down to for a week, and he would go down for a week, and we'd basically run him through the program. So, yeah, it's been exciting because, like you and I talked about briefly before we came on the air, I'm just a fan of the sport. You know, and I've been watching John Jones for, you know, what is it now, uh, 13 years since he won the, uh, the championship or prior to that, even when he was on his, uh, on his ascent. But uh, I just think it's great for the sport, great for the UFC to have two big names in the heavyweight battle. I'm just, I'm excited as a fan of the sport more than anything. Oh, yeah. Especially with two guys who are true martial artists and they're not just the knockout you know, the knockout guys who are just looking for one punch. <laughs> yeah. These guys are like art artists in there. That's what I'm expecting is, is uh, like you say, is just so talented. And, you know, that's a, something behind the scenes. I, a lot of people have watched John over the years and are familiar with what he's capable of. But uh, to train John, one of the things I found is that he learns things so incredibly fast to the point where he's teaching them to other people in a very short period of time. 
the challenge with that is, is he gets bored very quickly. And, and you know how strength and conditioning is, it's repeating the same successful behaviors over and over and over again with some progression, some measurable progressible program. Uh, and John likes variety. So uh, a lot of what we had to do was to keep him engaged uh, because, you know, fighters, they're not bodybuilders or powerlifters and, and they, you know, cardio is obviously a requirement, but it's not certainly something that they enjoy. So we had to continue to design programs that seems different, but really accomplished the same goal. And uh, he would adapt so unbelievably quickly. I mean, for instance, we brought out a $20,000 overspeed treadmill, which you might've seen some video of some time back and started running him. Uh, just neurologically, the overspeed training is, is great uh, for the nervous system, just increases speed. But, but a lot of the stuff we were also doing was for hip extension. We were, because his posterior chain was, was weak in comparison. Uh, you know, he could deadlift 600 pounds, but he could had a hard time doing uh, glute ham raises. So uh, we focused a lot on, on that. And initially, you know, he's a, he's a long body. So initially, I mean, he couldn't even do a single quality glute ham raise. Uh, and next thing you know, within, I mean, it was less than a few weeks, he was banging out three sets of 20, like it was nothing. Wow. So he, he adapts very quickly. He, he invests himself, uh, you know, hundred percent. He trains very, very hard uh, to the point where we had sometimes had to keep having conversations with him about, Hey, keep, leave some in the tank. Uh, particularly in practice when he was doing uh, martial arts stuff, because we, we try and stack fatigue. That's another component of, of a good strength and conditioning program is you don't want to have high fatigue workouts every single day. Uh, if you're going to have a high fatigue lifting day, you also want to have the high fatigue martial arts day, like wrestling or uh, you know going live with uh, boxing, et cetera, on that same day. And the next day should be jujitsu and, you know, pulling sleds and, and stuff like that. Uh, John would want to go hard damn near every day. And he would, he would get into uh, the martial arts training and it would turn into a, uh, you know, a battle. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have to keep reminding him, Hey, it's, you know, today's a low fatigue day. <laughs> so that was one of the challenges with John. He's and plus he's also very curious, John, uh, you know, everybody knows about his fight IQ he studies everything. He studies the other fighters, all their videos and tapes, but he also watches all the other fighters, trainers and their content to see what those fighters are doing. And then he'll constantly ask me, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And um, so a lot of, of what I have to do with John and, and to be honest, is what I have to do with a lot of clients, even dad bods and soccer moms is kind of avoid what I call the shiny object syndrome, where they keep seeing something that might be better or different and and then presume to think that, that that they need to add that to their program and uh you know i'm always of the mind that uh, at what at what cost you know what do you replace that with and uh in most cases it's not better uh it's just different um and probably not even nearly as effective uh, with a lot of the functional training type of stuff that, that we've been exposed to in the last number of years which uh, hopefully is coming to its its uh, its end <laughs> <laughs> that it's been exposed as, as uh, you know, a lot of that functional stuff it just isn't nearly as effective as uh, as just a uh, you know a measurable progressible program and uh, you know strength is strength and fighting is fighting and uh, you know cardiovascular you know endurance is 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 cardiovascular endurance and they're all different and if you want to optimize any of them you need to train each of them optimally and not all of them together it's not CrossFit. 
you know, and so we want to, not that's a bad thing. It's just that I don't want to be good at everything, but not great at anything. Uh, I want him to be great at, you know, I want to be very strong, uh, very uh, good cardio and a very obviously good fighter. And his coaches took care of that for him. So I was just managing behind the scenes, his, his fatigue, you know, you've got limited physical capital to invest and you've got all these, these different, um, coaches pulling at you. And of course, we all presume to think that our, uh, you know, our particular uh, expertise is what's most important. Sure. Uh, but it's, you know, you have to kind of coordinate everything together and plan it out. And that's kind of like the first things we did is just created a schedule that, that managed uh, his, his capacity to recover uh, and measured everything and tried to grow it over time. It's so interesting to hear about someone who I would argue is the greatest of all time in his discipline, right, of, of mixed martial arts. I think mm-hmm. tomorrow night, because we're recording this the day before his next championship fight, but I think tomorrow will solidify him as the greatest of all time. He'll win the belt. That's my prediction, at least. Hope I'm, I'll knock on some wood for you guys. But <laughs> it's just so interesting, right, to hear how he has that same shiny object syndrome in a lot of cases is the average soccer dads and moms that, like, I deal with, you know, on a daily basis who are like, Oh, I want to try that. Can you mix up my workouts this week? And you're like, wait, we just started this, this progression phase last week. <laughs> like, right. what do you mean? We can't change things up. You just, you're just starting to, you know, to see some progress. Um, it's just interesting to hear that because I feel like so many people deal with that, especially today. And do you, I guess my question is obviously I'd love to talk about why that's not something we want to do, but do you think it's just because of all the access to all the different things that you know, social media brings us in terms of information, what other people are doing? A hundred percent. Yeah. You see it everywhere every day and you see a fit guy doing these complexes or, you know, P90X or something like that. And, uh, you know, if it, if it looks neat, then you kind of think, oh, wow, it's working for him. And if you don't understand the science behind, uh, like you said, maintaining uh, some sort of measurable progressible program, uh, then it's easy to get distracted. And, you know, I have to be cautious and say in terms of dad bods and soccer moms, obviously compliance is the science. You've heard me coin that term for many years now. And the best exercise is the one you'll do. And so, uh, you know, just like I said, we had to be creative in, in, in designing programs for John that accomplished our goals, but that also uh, engaged him so that he was interested and invested and, uh, and he was working hard. Uh, we do that. We have to do the same thing for dad bods and soccer moms. The general population, if it's boring, they're not coming back. Hell, I I teach a kids power hour every Sunday at, at Sin City Iron, the gym I own here in Las Vegas, and it's from kindergarten to college. And uh, but most of the kids are six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Uh, it's kind of like chasing chickens. But you know, <laughs> when I first started posting, everybody was criticizing their form. But what they don't understand is that a that matters very little for a, a kid of that age. Uh, and most importantly, I'm not gonna sit there and obsess over uh, you know, technique and over coach uh, and, and bore these kids. They wanna have fun. And so I, I create fun games and stuff. Yes, we squat, bench and deadlift and we learn the fundamentals and I obviously try and improve their form over time. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if it's not fun for them, they're not coming back. And I like the, the, the retention. The same thing is going on right now. I'm in, in Arizona every other week working with Henry Cejudo and his camp at Fight Ready. 
And he's got a bunch of beasts down there, you know, fantastic top level guys from Bellator and, and other fight crews, a, a whole team of guys out of Brazil. They don't like powerlifting and bodybuilding. They, you know, they're averse to it. They think it'll make a muscle bound or this, that, and the other. And they don't want to squat. Uh, so we brought in an ATP, you know, uh, a, a, a athlete training platform, which is a belt squat, really. Uh, but it gives us a lot more functionality in terms of being able to, to put a hip belt on and deadlift or, uh, you know, hook up some bands and stuff to their ankles and do some uh, actually kind of modified sparring kind of stuff under low, under hip loading. And they kind of enjoy it. It's not, you know, there, and I can, I can actually put, I can actually put some measurable training, uh, strength training into the program, uh, which is something again, that, that they historically wouldn't like to do. The hardest part is the rest periods. I got to be honest with you, because we know that an effective strength and, and uh, hypertrophy program is, you know, two plus minutes rest period. And you can't get an MMA fighter to, to rest for 30 seconds, you know? <laughs> so that's the challenge. And so we actually have to design some antagonistic supersets for most of them. If we're doing a lower body workout, we got to do a quad exercise, rest 30 seconds, do a, a hamstring exercise. I got to keep them distracted. I might even take them over and have them do a little grip machine, you know? <laughs> and the purpose of the grip machine is really to let their quads rest so I can get my two to three minute rest period between their next set. And, and they're like, wow, coach, this is great. You know, because they're, they're active and moving the whole time. But it, to me, it's just, it's just filler to get what I need uh, for them, you know, physiologically so they can get the right response. Oh man, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because once again, there's crossover to, you know, the, the average guy, right? Because you try to tell a busy you know, business owner who's got 30 minutes to train in the morning that, hey, in between your heavy <laughs> set of deadlifts, I need you to rest, you know, until you're ready, you know, until you can actually right. do the next set, which could right. be two minutes, five minutes, you know, because that's the purpose, right? We want to be strong enough to actually train the, at the intensity level we need to train at. And tell them that they're like, what do you mean? I'm going to get like four sets in <laughs> before I got to get to my next thing today. Yeah, which you and I both know is probably more effective than the eight sets of junk volume and, and uh, you know, or insufficient rest periods. Uh, it was interesting, Alan Aragon just put out in his Alan Aragon's research review this month, uh, a study showing that, that if you had to choose, uh, which, of course, is, is, a, is a dichotomy that, that isn't really necessary, but if you had to choose between dieting and strength training versus dieting and cardio, Dieting and strength training whoops its ass. It's, it's far uh, better in terms of maintaining lean body mass. It was better in terms of, of body composition, weight loss, all of those things. Uh, but you're trying to overcome the idea that, that exercise is about calorie burning and therefore you need to breathe hard and sweat a lot. You know, burpees and, and I call it uh, burpees and battle rope workout, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's not enjoyable. It's not sustainable. It's not terribly effective uh, in comparison to, uh, you know, a properly designed resistance program. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, I, I always get a little frustrated when when uh, people promote that kind of thing. Uh, but at the same time, I understand that if, uh, you know, if a client needs to be kept entertained it, it's it's up to us to do so 
uh, you know, so they think they're getting what they want. Uh, you know, like John would like to do 300 abdominal type of like we would go around a circle at the end of the training session and do like leg kicks and scissors and and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm over there just steaming frustrated because I know it's completely worthless and it, it's soaking up, you know, like I said, physical capital that I think could be better invested uh, with like suitcase carries or something, you know, that was actually that was actually uh, going to help his core. Um, but he was, you know, that's what he's been doing for 14 years. Who am I? You know, sure. he does that 300 abdominal crunches, leg raises, scissor kicks after every single training session, every single night. Probably more of the most of the frustration was that I had to do them with him. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, I haven't done for a, this. I haven't done an ab exercise in 10 years. And I'm like, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm doing 300 scissor kicks every damn night. <laughs> Hip flexors is the dying. Yeah, yeah. that's a hundred percent. I know exactly. I've I've trained with some MMA guys locally here, and uh, yeah, it's 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 just interesting. It's like um, it's more like just the mental stimulus, right? Of like feeling like okay, the job is done today. I I, I basically emptied the tank, <laughs> right? It's like that feeling of of having nothing left at the end of the workout is like what they're what they love and what they cherish. Cause that's how they feel at the end of a fight typically is like, we drained the swamp. We killed it. Like we, we left no stone unturned. And a lot of it is just, you know, 300 useless ab exercises. <laughs> <laughs> they really believe that's going to be the most effective method to get them to where they want to, where they want to be. So we kind of break things up, like I mentioned, and we measure and show them, Hey, here's some place where you could make an improvement that would translate into better fighting. And, and look, I'm not trying to turn them into powerlifters. You and I both know that uh, somebody with a double body weight squad has probably gotten about all the benefit they're going to get from strength training that's going to uh, be, you know, translate to their sport. Um, you know, if you squat 400 pounds, the amount of time and energy and effort and fatigue associated with getting to 500 probably isn't uh, as beneficial to the minimal return you're going to get on that. You're strong enough, I guess is my point. And John was strong enough on the deadlifts. And we quickly exposed the fact that his posterior chain wasn't nearly in the same uh, position. So, you know, we worked on some of those things. And it's nice if you can show them, you know, we had, we had high school kids, high school wrestlers, you know, good high school wrestlers doing these exercises with a lot more weight for a lot more reps than John. And he's like, oh, okay, I see. And, and then what happens is, A, it's measurable and progressible. So he's like, okay, okay. Next, what happens is when he gets into training after 30 days of this, I mentioned um, that he went from like 17 miles an hour on the treadmill to over to 20 miles an hour on the treadmill in, in less than five weeks and uh, was doing, you know, like I said, multiple sets of, of uh, glute ham raises for, for sets of 20, like it was nothing. His hip extension dramatically improved and his takedowns were faster. And I remember Jackson, we were at Jackson Winks and, uh, and uh, coach, uh, the coaches came up and said, what are you guys doing? Because he was getting up under his opponents. And these are guys he'd wrestled with consistently who knew what he was going to do, who historically could at least get a hand in on a sprawl. Uh, you know, John's probably going to get you down uh, eventually, but for him to get you down with the first double leg and to be two hands under the butt and chest up against your thighs quicker than you can actually sprawl. And his opponents were saying the same thing. He goes, I know he's going to do it, but I can't sprawl fast enough. 
because of how explosive he was into those takedowns as a result of, as you and I know, force production. You know, and obviously we, we, we would build the strength and then we would implement just enough of the force production type of exercises such as box jumps uh, so that it was applicable. And then he could go into training and, and, uh, and see those changes, those improvements. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's super interesting. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, you know, sports like MMA, I mean, you could throw other sports in there too, but for a while, I think there's just been, uh, like you alluded to earlier, an assumption that you become tight, muscle bound, not as explosive, which is for us, we know like that's the opposite of what'll actually happen if you train properly. In fact, you probably become more flexible you know, with, with proper range of motion and exercises and whatnot, and stronger in your weakest positions with, you know, certain things like, you know, doing the splits, for example, or just any of these tough spots that guys need to get in as part of being a martial artist, adding resistance to those positions makes you better in those positions if you apply it properly. But it's interesting. Hey, you hit the nail on the head and the audience is important for them to know. And this just came out in a recent study. I think Brad Schoenfeld had posted and Brad Schoenfeld, for those people who don't know, is one of the most prolific researchers uh, for hypertrophy and strength in the world, a PhD in exercise phys, uh, an author of the book, Hypertrophy. Uh, he, he said the very same thing, that stretching uh, doesn't give you any more range of motion or mobility than training through a full range of motion. But training through a full range of motion gives you strength at those end ranges, which minimizes injury exposure. And we saw this years ago in Australia. They had done a study on dancers and showed that they had more strains and Achilles tendon injuries for those people who did static stretching than those who loaded the stretch through the full range of motion with some resistance. So it's a very important distinction that you just made. It's not that... that mobility or range of motion isn't important. It's that how you train it uh, can determine whether or not it's an effective range of motion. It just makes so much sense when you really think about it. <laughs> yeah. The course. problem is we just don't think about it. We're like, nope, just going to do whatever this person says to do. And there's no, you know, constructive criticism on any opinion. And then you think about it and you go, wait a second, it does make so much more sense that I'd be more flexible, more, more mobile if I add resistance responsibly, of course, yep. in these tough spots, like a chest fly, for example, like if I yep. take dumbbells and hold the fly at that most elongated position here, right, then that position now becomes more of a strength just by applying resistance. I mean, it makes so much sense. And I'm not becoming less flexible by training with this. I'm becoming way more flexible, right? All my injuries. Agreed. Go ahead. Sorry. I just said agreed. And oh, yeah. Using yeah. the dumbbell puts you through a greater range of motion than choosing the barbell. Interestingly enough, and, and you know, Flex Wheeler takes some heat because he's not, you know, academically uh, credentialed in, you know, in, in exercise physiology and doesn't always use the right words. But I mean, it was almost 15 years ago that he trained me and it's exactly what he did. He got me away from things like a deadlift, which has very limited range of motion uh, and started putting me into positions where I had an extreme range of motion and I was able to use less of my strong body parts, which is my lumbar and my glutes. And it was required to have more knee angle uh, to get more quad exposure through a greater range of motion. And, and uh, same with the, uh, he wouldn't let me bench press. I couldn't do a single flat bench press for six months with flex because he always had me in stretch positions on machines that, that uh, allowed me, you know, dumbbells as well. Uh, 
kind of a little trick I'll tell the audience. Some of you have probably seen my videos of my 200 pound incline dumbbell presses, uh, which I had, had was typically doing for 10 repetitions. In one video, I did it for 12 reps uh, at the Arnold uh, Classic at the, um, uh, what was the name of that? It was the Animal Cage. I went in there and was doing 200 pound dumbbell presses, you know, and people remember some of those old videos. If you watch, those dumbbells are very long, obviously, because they have so much weight on them. But if you watch, I turn, I angle the dumbbell such that the front of the dumbbell is hitting my chest and my elbow is no more than 90 degrees, right? Uh, <laughs> if you were to take a smaller dumbbell, before it hit your chest, your elbow would be, you know, at 100 and, 110 or more degrees. So uh, that's a little circus sideshow trick to, to where, you know, the shorter range of motion. So, you know, Flex wouldn't let me play that little game. He made sure that he watched the depth of my elbow, not when the dumbbell hit my chest. It would make me reposition it such that I would get that complete stretch. Uh, very, very knowledgeable guy, uh, all things considered. And, and it was, I got the best results ever from doing those kinds of exercises and focusing on, on more of a, of a range of motion. That's a perfect segue. We've been obviously talking about John Jones and, you know, the, and, and Henry Cejudo, another amazing, amazing fighter. It's arguably another goat in the industry for sure. And I can't wait to see him fight again. Hopefully he'll smash Sterling. I can't stand Sterling. <laughs> yeah. I think they just, I'm, uh, uh, don't quote me on this. But I'm pretty sure they're close to signing. Yeah. Uh, we're about 10 or 12 weeks out from uh, potentially a May fight. We'll see. Cejudo is an absolute savage. I mean, he gets criticism from his, you know, antics, you know, here and there, but his, his abilities and career is like unbelievable. Yeah. He, he He's arguably one. Of, I mean, he's got to be close to being on the Mount Rushmore for greatest fighters of all time, just in general. Um, Agreed. I'll let, I'll let out one little secret here, a little tidbit that, that uh, behind the scenes, we'd like to take him up a weight class for his next fight and see if we can get him a triple champ. That I mean, he's, I, I guess mean, he already referred to himself as the triple champ because he's got two different weight classes in the UFC and a gold medal in the Olympics. And so he wants to get a third weight class in the UFC, or, or I don't know if he wants it. I, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. <laughs> uh, I don't want any of the opponents in the, in the next weight class up to think that, that he's talking shit. I'm just saying that that's a discussion that we've had with him, that we could put the muscle on him to get him into that weight class and still perform. That would be him versus uh, Volkanowski, right? I think that would be at 45. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it would be. That's a, that's a game changing fight, man. That that's another yeah. great potential greatest matchup of all time. Volkanowski's are, I mean, he is the pound for pound greatest right now until John fights tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's Stan talking. That's not Henry talking. Anybody, anybody from ESPN or whatever, or TMZ to start running around like Henry's, you know. <laughs> you heard it here first, though, once it breaks. You heard it Indeed. here Yeah. So going back to the segue into what I wanted to ask you, because truth be told, and, and your friends will, will just vouch for what I'm about to say, I arguably think you're the one of the smartest, if not the smartest guy, who has crossed a few different, a few different parts of the fitness industry from bodybuilding to powerlifting. And now I'd argue you're probably heading in the longevity, you know, department more than anything, just from the content that you put out, learning about how to eat right and train right for years to come is a, is a massive part of the message you put out. Now your friend, Mark Lobliner 
literally said it on my podcast, Stan's the smartest guy in fitness. <laughs> so I have, you, you have that to live up to, but um, my, my question for you is more around kind of what you alluded to just now with your train with flex Wheeler, right? So a lot of guys like me who at the end of the day, yeah, I have, you know, these sports that I compete in with racing and hybrid fitness style events. But at the end of the day, my biggest goal in life is just to be around and live a quality life during that time. Right. So I have two kids. I want to look good. I want to feel good. And I want to live a long time in that discussion with strength training. And then you talk more about like the, I guess you could call it the bodybuilding healthier style of training with long, long muscle bellies, shortening, squeezing, feeling the pump, mind, muscle connection, whatever. What, what is the weight of importance? Like if you could go back, is there should we be more focused on getting super strong? Because you're one of the strongest guys walking the earth. Or is it more about just taking care of the body, long ranges of motion, feeling the muscle work? Or, or do both things matter? I'm not even sure long ranges of motion matter all that much for if it's a longevity discussion. Mm. When people talk about me being smart, uh, I think it has more to do with the fact that I've always tried to mitigate damage throughout my career, which is why I had such a long career. I set my world records when I was 45. I started competing in 1986. Uh, so, you know, I've been around almost 30 years of competing at a very high level. Uh, it's not because I'm, I'm some, uh, you know, academic scientist or even credentialed in that regard. I have a science degree from the University of Oregon. Uh, and I've worked hard to, uh, you know, surround myself with people who are, are very knowledgeable in their, in their given fields, fields. I even partnered with a PhD RDN who was director of dietetics from UNLV, Dr. Damon McCune, in order to write our nutrition book, uh, The Vertical Diet. And uh, because I wanted to make sure the message was right, I take this, uh, this platform as a huge responsibility to disseminate, you know, good information. I can always, uh, you know... I, it concerns me when people consider me a guru because I don't have a good taste for that word. It's, it, the gurus just tend to make shit up a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I constant and throughout my book and um, it's in this conversation, you'll constantly hear me refer to the experts in those fields. Um, and I'm smart enough. It's like Louis Simmons said, I didn't invent toilet paper, but I'm smart enough to use it. And I feel the same way about just about everything that really matters uh, for, you know, general health competition. I mean, most of what I do for, say, a Hofgor Bjornsson or a Lane Johnson uh, or a Brian Shaw, you know, most of what I do for big athletes like that is I, I pick through the big rocks and make sure that they're complying with the things that matter most. Um, you know, I've said many times that, that one of the things that shocked me about those athletes was the fact that they did not wear a CPAP and we would run blood tests on them. And we would find, you know, obviously for 300 plus 400 plus pound athletes, you would find some evidence of metabolic syndrome. You find some, uh, fatty liver, a little bit of elevated blood pressure, you know, maybe some LDL elevation, uh, those kinds of things, a uh, little, maybe some, not as often insulin resistance because they are hugely muscular individuals that work out, you know, regularly. And so that, that's generally not a big concern, but those are the, the big rocks, you know, blood pressure first and foremost. And, and so I've been talking for many years, as you know, about ways to, to bring blood pressure down and to utilize a CPAP and to, you know, get more sleep, 
I've got a high blood pressure and a high blood sugar quick fix kit. And I try and follow all of those guidelines and things that really work. Um, and, and interestingly enough, as, as these athletes uh, and even just, you know, the general population starts to get into their 40s and 50s, uh, they reach out to me more and more with those problems and want to know how to how to rectify that. So really, probably one of the most important things that I do is I just I pay attention, as you mentioned, outside the gym uh, to to, you know, improving, mitigating damage for myself and for my clients. You know, I've had clients come to me and, and be like, you know, how much longer will I be able to do this? And like, well, you need to measure that again. You need to have some metrics for that. You know, get a blood test, check your blood pressure. You know, those are the things you need to pay attention to. And so, uh, you know, and the people I follow in terms of longevity aren't the people with the hacks and the tricks and this specific, you know, one-off supplements. They're, they're the people who also believe in those foundational things and sleep, uh, the, the diet as it affects, um, you know, insulin resistance and LDL, uh, blood pressure, those kinds of things. I would say like Dr. Peter Atia would be an excellent resource that uh, is probably one of the most notable, uh, at least public figures in the longevity field. He brings on lots of experts in their, you know, particular arena, whether it be blood pressure or thyroid function or uh, lipids, you know, lipidologist, et cetera. And I, you know, it would be really arrogant of me to suggest something that's contrary to what, you know, the consensus is amongst the actual researching PhDs in the field. And so sure. I make sure and follow all their stuff and I'm quick to reference it. If somebody asks me a question about it, I'll send them links to the people who I think are the most credible sources, uh, which can be kind of boring. Cause as we mentioned earlier, we talked about the shiny object syndrome. Uh, people like to hear hacks and gimmicks and tricks, and they don't like to hear, hey, you're not getting enough sleep, uh, you're overweight, uh, you've got apnea, sleep apnea, uh, you need to eat less saturated fat and more fiber to get your LDL down. Uh, you know, people don't want to hear that, but that's, those are the big rocks. Those are the things that matter most. And so that's kind of where I start with myself and with my clients. And if I can get them healthy, then we can, you know, obviously train harder for longer and, and, and compete, you know, at a higher level and, and, and improve performance. You know, a lot of these guys were, were world champions before I ever met them. A lot of what I do behind the scenes, like I said, is uh, I, I try and make things easier on them uh, and try and resolve some things that may not be directly affecting their performance, but might be affecting their health. Because I've said, if you want to be healthy, don't compete. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there's a big difference between health and fitness. Fitness being the ability to perform a particular duty or task. And the fitness level required to be a UFC fighter, an NFL player, or a world's strongest man, uh, or even a 14-year-old gymnast in the Olympics is not healthy. And so I almost always find amongst athletes more problems than the general population because they push themselves so much harder. Uh, I see deficiencies here and there. And, and uh, you know, obviously physically, physiologically, their, their joints and, and, you know, just pain in general. So there's a lot of things that I, I have to deal with. And, and I, you know, I went through it all myself for 30 years. I mean, I, I've had, I've bulked up to over 300 pounds and had, you know, metabolic syndrome and, and horrible blood tests. I've dieted down to single digit body fat. And I know what it feels like to dream about food and, that, you know, <laughs> and to have unbelievable cravings uh, and to have your, your libido completely shut down because your testosterone drops uh, and your thyroid function drops when you get into those single digit body fat 
And I've done that over and over again. You know, I probably gained and lost over a thousand pounds throughout my career, bulking up to 300 and dieting down to, you know, single digit body fat back and forth and back and forth like that. And I learned a lot of lessons along the way. And I tried to, uh, you know, find ways to do it that caused the, the least harm mm. is really is the way I did it. And so that it was the most sustainable for me uh, to have to eat as much food as I did to get big or to be able to eat as little food as I as I needed to, to get ripped. Uh, there was strategies that I used to make both ends of that spectrum uh, easier to comply and um, less, uh, and affect my system uh, less. And I, I learned some of that by getting blood tests on almost a monthly basis for well over 12 years. And I, I still get them, you know, quarterly, probably three times a year. So how, you're, what are you, 54 now? 53? 55 now. Yeah. 55. Oh my gosh. Yep. I need your, <laughs> I need your system. You, you got a couple of decades on me, but I, uh, what, what is your system now though? So, I mean, you have, obviously you're still highly involved in fitness. Uh, what is your, what does your roadmap look like to keep yourself healthy and also high quality of life and also enjoy your, your fitness as, as you get older? What, what are some of the main big rocks that you follow every day? Uh, you know, some six years ago, I did a, a, a seminar in Iceland with Hafthor Bjornsson. Uh, it's got almost 7 million views now. And I, I laid out everything that I still do to this day and, and recommend to all my clients. That's what the Vertical Diet ebook that I wrote is. It's really just a chapter by chapter, all the things that I want all my clients to know and to do on a regular basis consistently and ways to, to do that. Uh, because, you know, information is one thing, but execution is another, as mentioned, you know, complying with or adhering to the program is, is at least or more important than the program itself. Uh, you know, it's 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. And that's not just physical, you know, that's also uh, in terms of time management and just executing the program. So I spend a lot of time talking about how I do what everybody knows needs to be done. So the big rocks obviously are sleep, eat and train. And, and so my program looks like I still consistently, I have a checklist sitting on my uh, bathroom counter uh, when I wake up every morning, I weigh myself, I write down my hours of sleep, I, uh, you know, and I, and I get started on my day and I've got, you know, how many 10 minute walks I'm going to take. But as far as sleeping goes, quality and quantity, I still wear a CPAP. I'm over 240 pounds. I have a thick neck. I've got some, uh, some apnea. I'll, I'll hold my breath or, or snore at night if I don't wear a CPAP. So that has to go, that goes to quality. Um, so, and I, I adhere to some pretty rigid, um, guidelines there as far as what time I get to bed and then the cool room, quiet room, dark room. I, I have, you know, obviously the sleep hygiene protocol that I think everybody should, uh, should adhere to in order to optimize sleep. Uh, as far as uh, nutrition goes, it's there again, you know, I prep my meals. It's the number one, uh, you know, compliance uh, method is meal prepping, whether you do it yourself or you use a meal prep company and it's not a pitch for the vertical diet meal prep company. You know, I, I make and ship meals all over the country to people. And it's, I tell them it's because, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it's simple and it tastes good. It helps you comply, right. Mm. Or it's convenient and it tastes good is what I say. And when I travel, I take my meals with me, you know, or I, you know, you've got to prep your own, but, um, and then I use that thermos still on a daily basis. I've got two kids. I take them to school in the morning. I pick them up in the afternoon. I got to take them to whatever, you know, that they're doing, whether it's tutoring or sport, sports that they're participating in. Uh, I've got things I have to do all day. So even when I'm working out of the house, I wake up in the morning. I don't make breakfast. I make three meals, well, plus my kids' food. 
Um, and it, it, usually it's the monster mash. I'll just blend a, a lean beef and, and, and uh, rice and potato and bone broth and, you know, whether or not I throw some spinach in there or peppers is, um, but that's my, that's my monster mash. It's, it's what all my athletes love to eat. Cause it's, the it's, best. it's, so, it's my favorite. It's, <laughs> it's so easy to eat. And, but I'll make a big, huge giant bowl of that and, and mash it all up. And then I'll, I'll eat one for breakfast and I'll have two more that I put into these thermos that stay hot all day. Mm. And so now I've got all my meals. I can put them in my backpack or put them in my car. I never have to stop at Subway or Carl's Jr. or, you know, and I, I've got, you know, my mixture of food. So in terms of eating, uh, obviously I eat what I, what I want, when I want, you know, what I, the diet I've designed for me, the right number of calories and macros and, and the like. And I don't think those are magic. Obviously calories are king. Protein is probably the next most important component of that. Just getting a sufficient amount from a, a variety of resources or sources. Uh, and then where you put fats and carbs is really, you know, it's up to you for in terms of your personal preference and uh, that allows you to, you know, sustain that diet. I like uh, to keep fats a little lower, about half the grams of fats as protein, just so I have room for carbs for training because I still work out regularly. So that's food and compliance is a huge component of that, sleep and food. And as far as the training goes, you know, I've got two things, obviously the 10 minute walks after every meal, I still consistently do those for digestion and blood sugar control and um, uh, so I'm getting at least 30, 40 minutes of quote unquote cardio a day. And I'm, I'm a fast walker. I'm, I'm usually at 4.5 if you were to, to look at it on a treadmill. And so I look kind of ridiculous out there when I'm doing my 10 minute walk down the street around the neighborhood, because it's, it's like, I'm in a big hurry, you know? And, uh, so I do that every day. And then I train pretty regularly. And probably the biggest thing I do with training for myself now, and I, I recommend this to all of my athletes as well, who aren't powerlifters or bodybuilders. Uh, is I use low fatigue workouts. And so I do less low bar heavy squats and I'll do more, say a Smith uh, or a SSB bar off of a box. It just takes away some of the eccentric damage of reversing the weights. I just feel less doms the next couple of days. Mm. Uh, and just generally speaking, it's less gross total weight uh, is probably a, a better metric, which if you use a high bar with an angle plate, you're probably going to use half the weight as if you use a low bar uh, squat. And, but you'll still get just as much benefit for the quads if, if hypertrophy is your goal. Um, I'll do more concentric movements. I like the belt squat, again, less fatiguing. Um, a lot of sleds. If I'm doing posterior chain good mornings, I'll do them off of spud straps. So I'm only doing the concentric and then I'm just crashing down the eccentric. I'm not reversing the weight like you would typically do in a good morning or an RDL. Um, just because I, I could lift more and that reversing of the weight tends to be where the greatest amount of fatigue and doms comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just an example of some of the things that I'll do in training to where uh, I'm not loading myself in such a way that I create as much fatigue. We call it a stimulus to fatigue ratio. I'd like to get as much stimulus with as least fatigue as I can. Yeah. Um, and then a, a lot of, you know, I'll drag some sleds and I'll do some box jumps and throw some med ball because one of the things you lose as you age is power. Mm. Uh, just that explosiveness. And so uh, there was a time at which I didn't do any of that and didn't care. And I could probably couldn't, uh, probably couldn't box jump a curb. And, <laughs> and if I jumped down off a curb, I would do it with stiff knees because I was afraid to, you know, but nowadays uh, I do a lot more, you know, just to make sure I'm retaining some of that, that nervous system firing that, that explosive uh, strengths or, or the powers that we refer to it as. And, 
uh, and that's, I think that wraps up most of, of what goes into the one thing that I've been doing a little more lately, which kind of picked up from Dr. Peter T is a little more, um, uh, steady state for longer periods of time. Cause I've been doing the three 10 minute walks a day, three or four for a decade. I mean, religiously. And lately it seems like you get a greater mitochondrial benefit, uh, from say extending that to a 30 minute bout. And so every other day or three days a week now I'll do a 30 minute, uh, zone two cardio, uh, usually again on the treadmill at 4.5, uh, or on a recumbent bike. So it's more measurable. Mm. Um, and just to, to breathe closer to your lactic zone longer. And that, that probably sums it up. Initially, I don't recommend that for a lot of my clients because compliance is hard. Sure. The 10 minute walks are easy. You can do them anywhere and, you know, you can just get a recumbent bike, do them in your home. Uh, and there, and cardio, more exercise doesn't equal more weight loss. And a lot of my clients want to lose weight. And I'm cautious to start assigning them a whole bunch of extra cardio. I know their perception is that you burn calories with energy expenditure. But I think we know now that it's, you know, exercise activity is only about 5% of the calories you burn in a day. And my concern is, as mentioned earlier, with burpees and battle ropes, uh, that if you, if you, build up too much fatigue from your exercise program, it'll cause some compensation, which means you'll come home and sit more and eat more. So yeah. if you find yourself starting a diet program that includes like, I'm not trying to shit on CrossFit, but if you go in and do some hard exercising in the gym, right? You just watch yourself. You'll come home and sit on the couch more and you'll oh, yeah. be hungry more. And that's a, that's a problem. It's hard to manage that. And so I'm, I'm cautious to, to, to lead with that. And, uh, uh, before that very reason, it's just not terribly effective, nor enjoyable, nor sustainable. And there's a lot of barriers to entry to getting in a car, driving to the gym, getting on a treadmill, you know, and for busy professionals, like you say, or people, you know, parents with kids, that's the first thing that's getting crossed off the list. Uh, <laughs> but the 10 minute walks are easy to comply with the meal prepping and those kinds of things, huge results from that. Yeah. I got to give you credit. And I'm, I'm, I've been so excited to have you on the show for, for this moment, but you have influenced me and my team so much with the walking. I know it sounds simple for like the, the yeah. person listening who's not in fitness, but knowing that compliance and adherence is literally everything, especially with the busy moms and dads that you know, we work with mostly busy businessmen, but you know, those guys have a million things they could put in front of fitness, telling them, Hey, after you eat the three or four meals you eat every day, just go for a 10 minute walk, just, uh, just the digestion benefits alone. And like just avoiding some of that, like low energy feeling after they eat yeah. has changed their lives. Like, I mean, yeah. I kid you not. It's, it's probably, if it's not the number one thing that's changed for our clients, it's got, it's close. Uh, we call it movement in our program. It's like our movement protocol. But part of yeah. that is like going for a walk after you eat. It's, oh man, it's amazing. Like yeah, and I it really, like you said, it really recharges the battery. Mm -hmm. I've, I've taken on a, uh, you know, from time to time, I'll find myself sitting down and I'll start reading, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever on social media, whether you're scrolling through your feed or uh, I tend to follow a lot of science people. So I'm, I'm usually, uh, I get down into these rabbit holes where I start clicking on the study and, uh, you know, watching uh, videos on, on these guys. I'm just, I'm obsessed with all the information in the fitness industry, of course. 
but I'll find myself, my eye, my eyes start to get heavy. Eyelids start to get heavy after a little while I was sitting there because five minutes turns into 15, turns into 30 when you start going down these rabbit holes. And uh, I watched, I think it was a TED talk one time. There's a, a, a very prominent um, uh, motivational speaker who said one time that they count back from five to one in order to uh, get them to do something, some sort of action. And uh, I found that by the time I counted from five to one, because uh, I have attention deficit disorder that I would forget what it was I was supposed to do. So I turned it into a three, two, one. But if I'm sitting there and I, I recommend this to anyone to try it, but uh, if I'm sitting there and I start to get tired, my eyes start to get heavy because I'm reading something or I'm watching TV, I just go three, two, one, and I stand up. And I go take a 10 minute walk. It is amazing how when you get back, your, your battery is completely recharged and you're productive again. And like you said about your busy professionals and as, as often as you can do that, whether it's five minutes, an hour, I mean, if it's even if it's in college, I set my timer to eat every three hours and I would carry around food in my backpack, not books. And that's how I got through college, you know, as a skinny kid trying to bulk up, food was the most important thing that I, I you know, lever I had to pull. Uh, but nowadays, if if you would set your timer for every, for an hour and every hour, particularly for people who work uh, in desk jobs, uh, every hour when the timer goes off, get up and, and do five minutes worth of walking. I have clients that get, um, you know, those treadmills at their desk and stuff like that. But Yep. Just move around. It'd be even better if you could get outside a little bit, you know, weather permitting. Uh, but it's 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 unbelievable how effective that is. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and it's to a lot of people, it sounds counterintuitive where you're like, well, wait a second. If my energy is low, why would I go expend more energy? And I'm like, no, yeah. it's like literally turning on the body. Like when you turn on the body, yeah. your body's in motion and it's the heart has to increase the its rate of exertion a little bit. It, yeah, it, it's mental it fatigue. Up. It's mental fatigue, anyhow. And people, yeah. they they sit at their desk all day, and then they come home and they think they're too tired to go to the gym. Physically, they're not too tired. It's yeah. it's mental fatigue. And and Mental Henselman has a great book out, and he talks a lot about um, some psychological strategies for that. But one of which, obviously, is to move every hour. Uh, but even my uh, my co-author Damon, his PhD thesis was done on. Um, uh, mouth rinsing is compared to eating carbohydrates and just, just the psychological effect of, of putting a, a carb drink in your mouth and spitting it out was sufficient enough to provide the same training stimulus as having carbohydrates. So wow. we see it's not, it's not physical, it's, it's mental, it's psychological. That is a lot of that. That's why I always, one of the things I'll recommend in, in some of the busy professionals who have office buildings with say showers in them is go take a shower and change. You'd be amazed how much better you feel before you go to the gym, go take a shower before you go to the gym. You'd be amazed how much better you feel and uh, how you're not reaching for those stimulant based pre-workouts, which uh, sure. you know, may or may not have a cumulative effect long-term on <laughs> On a, on a larger roller coaster of, of ups and downs on your energy and potentially impair your sleep. Mm. Well, I know we didn't even get to nutrition um, and we could probably have, we'll have to have you back <laughs> and talk for, talk about nutrition for an hour. But uh, I use the vertical diet meals. Um, I, uh, you know, as I work from home, but I'm, I'm busy. I have two little kids too. And, you yeah. know, it's, you just want to, never provide an, an opportunity to make any kind of bad decision. You want to have it all laid out ahead of time. For me, at least I speak for myself. I don't like to play the guessing game. I like to know 
what I'm going to eat. And, and by the way, the meals taste amazing. Uh, I'm not sponsored by you guys, but That's great. Thank State, you. the vertical diet stuff is great. And you've expanded your menu too. Um, I think when I first started using you guys, it was just like the monster mash, maybe like the egg white mash or whatever the egg mash that you guys had. And now there's like, I think you have protein pancakes, which my kids love um, yeah. the, the beef pizzas and stuff like that. So it's super convenient and it's very affordable. Like when you really look yeah. at it, it's really affordable. And look, I, I've kind of come a long way. I was a bit of a stooge for a while, you know, about clean eating and, and all the other. Um, again, it, it's about compliance. Calories are king. It needs to be convenient and taste good. It should be part of an, a regular lifestyle. It should be satiating, higher in protein, fiber, a little lower in ultra processed foods. Uh, and, and that would help you with compliance. But this idea of going on and off a diet, or there's some magic diet. I mean, we've seen endless amounts of studies now. Uh, Chris Gardner from Stanford is, is very uh, highly regarded a PhD that has done a number of studies comparing a variety of different diets, you know, dozens of different diets against each other. None is superior to the other. That includes keto, vegan, intermittent fasting, the vertical diet. It doesn't matter, carnivore. It really doesn't matter. It's finding the diet that seems the least restrictive to you because all calorie deficits will come along with some sense of, of restriction. Uh, the one that you're most satiated on, and I have a whole uh, satiety index in my vertical book to talk about other strategies that you can use to stay satiated because willpower is not an effective method to comply with the diet. You will lose that battle every single time. The body is just overwhelming in its ability to upregulate hunger and to downregulate activity. Uh, so you kind of got to get in front of it subconsciously by utilizing uh, what techniques are available, as mentioned, higher protein, higher fiber, high satiety foods, uh, boiled potatoes and oranges are very high on the satiety index. Um, so I utilize all those strategies. And of course, you know, if you've had a really hard time, struggled with dieting, uh, the new medication is, is, uh, has just fantastic reviews is the semaglutide that everybody's familiar mm -hmm. with. Uh, uh, that's the, is it Ozempic and Wigovi, I think are the, the brand names for, uh, the, uh, semaglutide. It's the peptide that uh, basically suppresses hunger. Uh, wow. And so you just aren't as hungry and aren't as likely to overeat. And it's extraordinarily effective. And the two-year studies show that in the absence of, of the medical intervention, people have can accomplish about a three to 5% long-term weight loss maintenance. Uh, with Wagovi, 15 plus percent weight wow. loss maintenance over two years. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, look, I had a long career in bodybuilding and powerlifting. There's, you know, I, I, I've tried just about everything. Uh, and I'm not trying to be some holistic practitioner these days. If you've got high blood pressure and you can't fix it with lifestyle, uh, you better get a doctor to help you with some, some blood pressure medication. If, uh, you know, if you've got high LDL and we know that elevated LDL is, uh, um, increases cardiovascular disease risk, even Lane Norton, who's lifetime natural, uh, at an LDL, he couldn't get under 130. And so he started taking uh, some low-dose combination therapy of, uh, of a low-dose statin and azetamide uh, to bring his LDL down because we know it's an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So again, the point being is if you can't get it down with lifestyle, go to your doctor. Uh, if you can't lose weight, which is probably, not probably, but it is the most significant thing you can do to improve your overall health everything from lipids to blood sugars to blood pressure, uh, liver health, et cetera, is weight loss, uh, irrespective of diet. 
um, uh, then you know semaglutide would certainly be a, a reasonable intervention. Talk to your doctor, uh, and you know it just. It, it, I, I think it would we would do our we do our customers a disservice if we don't provide them. I think all the options and let them make uh, those decisions for themselves. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, I think even just witnessing something take place and starting to build the belief that your body is capable of making a positive change, even if it comes from pharmaceuticals, it, it could be a temporary fix too. You might say, well, that then led to me starting to make better choices and realizing, okay, I don't like, I have clients who are on a lot of different things to help them transform their bodies and get in better shape through their doctor's prescriptions and recommendations. And then over time, they rely less on those things because they start to build better habits because they actually have mental belief that they can do something versus never seeing results, never been able to get past all the things that they did self-sabotage wise to get them to a tough spot. But then they use pharmaceuticals to get them over that hump. And then all of a sudden the belief goes up and adherence goes up and all that other great stuff. And they don't rely on it as much, but yeah, I, I hundred percent agree with if it's better to use that stuff to get you to a, a healthier place to live longer, better quality of life than to be stubborn and think, no, I have to do it natural or nothing at all. It's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta use things at your disposal, even if it's for just seasons of life. Hey, what do we say? If you aren't cheating, you're not winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, speaking of winning, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be front row to, to watch your boy smash uh, surreal gone tomorrow night. I wish I tell you those front row seats are pretty expensive. I'm, I'm about midway. I, I managed to get midway, but I'm going to be there. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to dinner tonight with the crew at Hakkasan here in Vegas, and uh, it's going to be exciting. And then, and then uh, tomorrow's the big fight. And I, like I said, I'm just excited for the UFC. I'm excited as a fan, and uh, I, I just, I just love the the sport and the people in it. And I, I think it's really evolving in terms of their training and nutrition. And I'm happy to be a part of it. That's amazing. Well, speaking from someone who was just uh, cage side for a bare knuckle boxing world championships last Ooh. week, uh, the cage side seats, as cool as you feel being like around all the celebrities and stuff, it's hard to see all the action. So I, I, I say sit midway up, you get a nice view yeah. of all the stuff and you'll see uh, my call is John Jones by uh, submission round two. That's, that's my, that's my prediction. I think he feels him out round one, has some fun. And then he says, all right, I'm going to call it an early night. <laughs> he is a wrestler. I've seen some pretty incredible things from that guy in person. He is a, an amazing wrestler. That's for sure. He is man. Well, Stan, thank you so much for taking the time um, where I know you have, once again, we didn't talk about a lot of things. One of which is the fact that you're probably one of the most successful business guys in fitness and in general, uh, what are you most excited about right now? Where can people connect, get uh, uh, into your products and the things you have available? What's the best place to start? Yeah, everything's at standefforting.com. That's where I have a link to the vertical diet meal prep that I deliver nationwide. That's where I have the vertical diet 3.0 ebook, which I've updated periodically that has the most comprehensive amount of information. Uh, ben Pollock and I, an IFBB pro and world record powerlifter, are hosting uh, a, uh, a Biggs University, a class, a full day class here in Vegas. You're going to come to my home. I'm going to uh, teach you here and we're going to go to the gym. I'm going to teach you there. Uh, come live, meet me and spend a whole day with me going through our, our curriculum for Biggs University on March 25th. So that's coming up real shortly here, just four weeks away. Uh, and, uh, and then of course, I've got the kids power hour at Sin City Iron that I own. So if you're ever in Vegas, you can come by Sin City Iron. But 
Everything's at stanefforting.com. My Instagram is at stanefforting. My YouTube is also stanefforting. I have a lot of rants on there that are kind of fun uh, to listen to. Absolutely. Yeah. Your 10 minute walks, man. I used to listen to all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of stuff to, I keep repeating myself. I, hey, I ran man, out of stuff I, to say. Evergreen content, baby. It's, it's a yeah. forever thing. It's not, you can listen to one that's 10 years old. It's still applicable today. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate you, man. The white rhino is a huge bucket list item to have you on my show. Super big fan and uh, appreciate all that you do, my man. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks so much. That wraps up today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. And don't forget to check out Butcher Box. My kids are absolutely over the moon with these chicken nuggets. You can get chicken nuggets for a year plus 10% off your first box when you go to butcherbox.com forward slash true and use code true, T-R-U-E at checkout. Go check them out. They're great friends of mine. And man, they have an incredible product. Excited for you to check out their meats, their nuggets, and just make eating healthy that much more convenient. Until next time, life moves fast. Make it count. Talk to you soon. Peace.